Liz Winstead here, co-creator of The Daily Show and co-host of the Feminist Buzzkills Live pod. Well, the vaginal crossing guards on the Supreme Court have destroyed Roe v. Wade. Good news, my nonprofit abortion access front can help. On July 17th, we're hosting an activist training day called Operation Save Abortion. We're gathering experts from every area in the field of abortion justice and live streaming a series of conversations that break down the many opportunities available to you to protect access to all things reproductive care. Helping patients with travel needs, lobbying politicians, and getting into good trouble out in these streets are just a few examples that these amazing panels are going to break down and bonus connect you to the organizations in your area doing this work. So gather your friends for a watch party, then commit to becoming a defender of abortion access. I'll be there, and so should you. Operation Save Abortion, July 17th. For all the info and to register, hit up OperationSaveAbortion.com. Wayway TV is filmed before a live studio audience that is being held captive against their own will. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another edition of Waywo.tv. Today on the show, we have Stephanie Cook. It's pretty freaking tight. We also are going to feature a musical performance by, what is this? Uh, the Spooky Dookies. That sounds cute. Let's head over to Happy Harriman, New York. That's the home of the George Carlin Podcast Radio and our host, Mr. BJ Mendelson. Let's get it. Hello, everyone. I am BJ Mendelson. We are here again with another episode of Weibo.tv. I am joined by Stephanie Cook. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. And I have to point out, we've worked together in the past as like a full disclosure. Um, yeah. Brief, brief, briefly, we worked together on the uh, the pitch comic for uh, She-Hulk from Savage is Sensational, which is over on my website. But enough about me. We are here to talk about you and all of the cool <laughs> things that you're doing. So tell us, what, what are you working on? Oh my gosh. I I kind of like sometimes like do this and like talk about one or two things that I'm working on and like totally forget that I'm working on like 20 things at once, like <laughs> at any given time. And it was recently on a show and they were like, but you're doing this too. And I was like, oh yeah. And they're like, and this. Anyways, uh, so I primarily write comics and graphic novels. Um, I edit as well, as uh, BJ mentioned. Um, I'm working on, I have a sequel to uh, a middle grade graphic novel series called Oh My Gods that comes out April 5th. So we're working on hyping that up. And uh, I'm working on a series called Rack Pack, which is uh, raccoons going on a heist for the best garbage you could possibly ever want. And I'm working on um, a video game right now, too. I am writing a game called Pico for Kid and Cup Studio. Uh, and yeah, like, I am positive I'm missing stuff. But that's just a few things that I've got on my <laughs> list. <laughs> I, don't even know, I don't even know where to start. It's so much. But so let me ask you, like, how do you... Because you're juggling a lot of them, so like, how? What? Tell me a little bit about the process of just managing all of these different projects at once. Yeah, uh, I feel like it's a real when it rains it pours kind of situation. So like, I take on projects, and in theory, they're meant to kind of stagger out over time and fill in gaps when things are a little bit quieter. But that never is how it pans out ever. You take on projects and they all come to a head at any given time. Um, and you are crying and struggling to get it all um, sorted out. But one thing that's really helpful to me, I keep regular office hours. I don't 
um, burn myself out by overworking and staying up until like midnight or whatever, like to kind of like finish something that I'm still need to work on. You know, I keep Monday to Friday, nine to five, um, as a way to keep my mental health in check and to make sure I'm not burning myself out. So first and foremost, that is like my big thing to keeping my mental like sanity (laughs) intact. Um, and then the work itself, I tackle through lists. I make priority lists of everything I need to get through in the week. Um, and I have like a whiteboard that is right beside where I'm sitting. And um, basically, I go and add the things that I need to get taken care of. And then I designate the days of the week to work on certain projects. So Monday will be like a video game day, which is what I did today. I worked on the video game. And then like Tuesday, I have, um, I work I do freelance work for a publisher. I do writing and editing with them. So that's tomorrow, you know, and that's for tackling those projects. And then Wednesday is for my own projects, for my own pitches, for my own writing. And I'm making sure that there's like a balance where I'm going back and forth between the kind of different hats I wear. And um, that also helps to make sure I don't burn out because it's like I'm not focusing on one project for too long. and. driving myself bananas. So when you, so I'm fascinated by this because it, it deals, it touches on a lot of um, that deep work philosophy of like blocking out time to focus on a single project. Yeah. So when you, when you do that, like when you're in video game mode, do you just actively say to yourself, okay, if it's not video game related, like I am not doing it. Like, how do you block those things? It's really hard because sometimes like I still see things on my list and like, if I get stuck on something, like it's really easy to get distracted and to want to like move on to something else that you're not like stuck on, but you, these are projects you all have deadlines for and you kind of really just need to keep yourself on track and you need to do right, not just by your own work ethic, but like understand that if you're not doing something, you're inevitably holding someone else up uh, down the line. And so it, as an editor, like, you know, I've lived that you know, one person not doing stuff. Like, it, it just, like, has this uh, trickle effect, right, where everyone else is affected. So, like, I try really hard to not be that person. But I have, like, emails in my inbox that give me anxiety. And it's like, I could clear this thing out. I could clear this thing out. But I know that I have a responsibility to work on every project that I've signed up for and I need to allocate the adequate amount of time to do those things. So would you say that the calendar is sort of like your tool of choice or do you have another, I'm looking at my calendar as I ask that because <laughs> uh, it's like, I've got, that's why I have it right in front of me. But like, do you, is there a tool that you recommend using to sort of just be, just manage all these different projects? Yeah. I mean, I do have like things like Asana that I use for, especially for project management. Like when I'm uh, overseeing like a few things, I have that to make sure I know where we're at and where all of my projects kind of are at any given time. But for me, I still like while I write, obviously, like on my computer and use like software and digital tools at my disposal, I still find that things like sticky notes and a whiteboard and a calendar are really the best reminders to me of what I have immediately on my docket and it's also just like really satisfying to like wipe stuff off my whiteboard and like or cross something off on like a to-do list or like to like 
scrunch up a sticky note and throw it out. Like it's really satisfying. Uh, and I can't get that from like, you know, accepting or rejecting a Google calendar invite or, you know, I don't know. It's something weird. Well, it never ends, right? Like yeah. just, there's always another one right behind it. Exactly. So, I mean, there, there are like kind of a million things that I have, like, you know, like to-do list apps and reminder apps and all these things, but my whiteboard is my best friend. <laughs> hey, it's me, God. I know it's been a while and I haven't been the best dad, especially this century. Well, I was going through some shit and you know what? I'm not going to talk about it. All you need to know is that I'm doing commercials now. I've got bills to pay too. Do you have any idea how much I just lost on crypto? A lot. A lot. And so now God needs your money. Like for real this time. Not like all those other times every Sunday. You know who else needs your money? B.J. Mendelson. So give him $5 by visiting buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelssohn. That website again is buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelssohn. Buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelssohn. And if you don't give B.J. your money, you and I are going to have problems. Big ones. Hey there, boys and girls. It's your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman here, inviting you to invite me into your ear holes five days a week with my podcast, The Ralph Report. Join me, Eddie Pence, Steve Ashton, and the rest of the happy lunatics that make up the Garmy for as little as 15 cents a day. And for that, you get five shows a week filled with music and jokes and news and history and just so much good stuff that you're going to be glad you chose The Ralph Report. How do you listen? Well, it's pretty simple. Go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up today. There's four amazing levels of subscription that you can join, each one with their own special bunch of benefits. So check it out. Listen to me, Ralph Garman, on The Ralph Report. Patreon.com slash The Ralph Report. Highly recommended yep. uh, to everybody. <laughs> Let me, so let me ask you about the right. So are you, let's go to the raccoon project. Cause I have to ask you about that. <laughs> like I was immediately, I will be in line to buy that day one. Um, anything with animals doing anything that, that's just outside of an animal type behavior. I am all about. Uh, right. So it, are you right? Are you writing this or you're editing it? Is that? I'm writing it. So Very cool. um, yeah. So uh, my co-creator is Whitney Gardner, who uh, is known for works on books like Fake Blood and Long Distance. She is so talented and fabulous. I adore her. And we connected because Fake Blood is like a comp title to Paranorthern. So like when I first got in my publishing deal, like my editor was like, oh, Fake Blood is like very in line with how I could see us marketing, you know, Paranorthern. So I connected with Whitney and then we just like really got on. Our sensibilities are very similar. We have the same sense of humor and uh, we just became friends. And, you know, like like you do in comics and in the industry, we came up with this idea for the story and uh, 
together. Um, so we've developed the story together. I'm writing it and then she's going to be doing um, the art for it. I'm sorry. I'm like, I ramble a lot. Oh, I have like a great. lot of pre uh, amble to the actual ramble. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so last year we pitched it to, um, we put it out on submission and Simon and Schuster picked it up. So we're doing a two book deal with them. Uh, the first book will be out fall 2023. So next year. And uh, it, is set in Toronto and basically it's the story of the bins family, uh, dusty scraps and recycling bins, but she goes by Riri. They are two raccoons and a possum who thinks he's a raccoon with alopecia. They find the holy grail of dumpsters uh, and decide that to set themselves up and to make things real good for the winter they need to get this dumpster but the owner of the store is not about that he's not about giving out handouts to people to animals to anything and he uh, sets up many obstacles for them and they have to plan the perfect heist to get away with all of this so nice nice yeah. uh yeah like i said <laughs> take my money now i will <laughs> gladly gladly buy so let me let me ask you because you work as both an editor and a writer so do you find it challenging when you have to put on just a writer's hat? Sometimes. Like I said, like having a few different kind of responsibilities and roles within what I do day to day really helps me to turn off like a mode and kind of put on another, like to kind of just get into different roles and to have, I don't know. But like it does occasionally, like when I'm writing, like if I'm pitching something, I can hear my editors like, my previous editors and my like my own internal editor telling me what is going to be like good and not good I try not to go down that route like too much because like I still want to tell my story and make sure that my voice and what I want to do is coming out but then you know like I was working on for instance a pitch with another artist and they're so wonderful and they were like but we could do this and we could do this and this and like frantic chaotic stuff is like yes love that but like editor stuff is like I know an editor is not going to go for this it needs more focus it needs you know a strong POV like it needs um this and this and this so it's like you kind of rein yourself in sometimes on like big ideas that you know are not gonna like fly well with like <laughs> the marketable world of publishing um, so I think it's a bit of like give and take. I sometimes really like go for it with things that I'm like, screw it. Like if they don't like it, we'll figure it out then. But then it's being able to kill your darlings if it doesn't work. Right. You know, like it's coming to terms with the fact that you're, you said no to your editor brain. You were like, I'm going to do it anyways. And either pays off or it doesn't. So Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Harriman Herald Radio Show. I'm an artificial intelligence using a dead guy's voice for a comedy routine. You can call me Paul Shackman, a name I found randomly in the phone book. It's a very interesting name. How does one become a Shackman? Do you need to build a shack, or would renting one be enough to earn you the name? Did Paul's ancestors own a lot of shacks? Who did they have to kill to acquire them? How many victims are there? And where did they bury all those bodies? The world may never know. We only have time this week for one story, so we go live now to Nancy Diamante at New York Stewart International Airport. Nancy. Thank you, Paul. I'm here at the Pull the Plane event taking place at what was once known simply as Stewart Airport. 
The event has attracted over 350,000 visitors, a number previously unfathomable to the organizer of the event, Harold Murray. I don't understand it. I thought maybe we'd get 100 people, maybe 250, tops, but 350,000. We're going to need the National Guard to straighten this situation out. The trouble began when Harold posted in the Harriman Library's Facebook group about why he wanted to organize the event. I said, I'm suffering right now from a deep existential dread. My country has been taken over by large corporations. One political party, the Republicans, are racist, crazy and anti-woman. And the other, the Democrats are corrupt and always act to benefit the corporations when nobody is looking. I vote. I organize. I donate. Nothing changes. Nothing I say or do matters. So, I'm just going to get high and pull an airplane around with my teeth. Who wants to help make it happen? Can you tell us what happened next? Yes. Well, as you can tell, I'm not capable of pulling an airplane around with my teeth. I'm 57 years old and have a hernia. That's pretty clear from my profile photo. Or so I thought. A lot of people liked and commented on the post. When I told people I wanted to hold an event for a local charity and not actually pull an airplane around with my teeth. The post exploded from there. What made the post go viral? People thought I was kidding about the charity part. Really? Everyone thought you were serious about pulling an airplane around with your teeth? That's right. And every time I tried to back out of it, people just kept escalating it from there. Someone who saw the post found a Boeing plane at the airport that the company forgot about. Another man had a surprising amount of bungee cord that probably warrants a visit from the state troopers. To top it all off, New York Stewart International is rarely busy, unless you want to fly to Iceland. So despite my best efforts to call it all off, the event just kind of came together. So I said, fine, I'll do it. What was going through your mind when you said that? Who's going to drive to Newburgh to see a 57-year-old orthodontist get high and pull an airplane around with his teeth? About 350,000 people. Nancy, I am freaking out right now. And you're not even high. That's correct. Are you going to go through with it? I'd look like a real asshole if I didn't. This is Nancy Diamante for the Harriman Herald. Thank you, Nancy. That's all the news from Happy Harriman, New York this week. We now return to What Are You Working On with BJ Mendelssohn, already in progress. True. Yeah. Sometimes you, you don't know. Uh, what's, <laughs> there's an old saying, like, no, I mean, people like the Mike Tyson quote, but really it comes from... Uh, a marketing professor said that, like, no business plan survives first contact with a customer. Like, so in other words, you have no idea, like, if someone's going to like a story or not. You may love it, but until yeah. it's out. Yeah. There's, I mean, again, I largely think I aim to tell the stories I want to tell without kind of doing too much of, like, an inner critique of it. You know, it's like you you have to do that regardless as a creator to a certain degree, but it's like – there, there's definitely a point where you need to like stop fiddling with it and just hand it off to someone else to evaluate and give you feedback on or else you just won't ever do it, right? Like it's like done is better than perfect and sometimes you just need to call it quits and let somebody else tell you what's working or not working. And I did that and I was glad I did because we got a much better comic out of it. Um, yeah, it's yeah. so hard though. <laughs> it, it's There's no, you know, like coming from a marketing world where everything is is – Stats, right? Stats and figures right. and data when you're in the creative world. Yeah, yeah, there's sure you could try to like graph some of that stuff on, but yeah. And like ultimately, whenever you're working with an editor, everything they're telling you is a suggestion, right? And you can like choose to like not take their advice or you can choose to be like, you know what? I really think this works better my way. They're pointing those things out because it's not working to them. And subsequently, it's probably not going to work out 
to the reader too. It's not going to make sense to the reader. So, you know, like, it's like one of those things where you have to wrestle with like how much you really want that thing to be there versus how much it's going to take away from the reader's experience. Because I mean, you are writing something for you ultimately too, but it's going out into the world and you want that thing to be the best it can possibly be. Now, let me ask you, what what was the best advice that you ever got? Because you have a lot of great advices as an editor mm. and just with the experience that you have. But. I think I actually just did like a thread on this like recently too. And it's like the most universal advice that I think I can give to anybody that will not change. Find your network. Find genuine connections in the industry you want to be in and let those people be your inner circle of like trust and support and commiseration I guess that's really like the backbone of every industry is having people who understand what you're going through and helping you navigate and to survive it so you know I I get asked a lot about like how to break into the industry and how to get started And you really don't need much else other than putting yourself out there, making friends, and um, just getting to know people that'll be your peers. Like, that's the best way to get started is to be inspired by people around you, I think. Who is someone that inspires you that you want to give a shout out to? Gosh, there's like so many people. Again, like Whitney is like incredible. Whitney Gardner, who I'm working with on Rack Pack, like she's just so inspiring. We like amp each other up. Like we both have like no chill and I'm just like so in awe of her work ethic and how much she wants to put out into the world. You know, we're working on Rack Pack, but I know she's like working on other pitches too. And art is so all consuming and to just be able to keep on doing other things too is just like so, so, so incredible. And um, yeah, I am my amazing friend Fabian Lile, who I worked with on We Are the Danger, we play um, uh, a TTRPG on Tuesdays, a-, a live stream with the Going Critical group. But he's doing like so many amazing things in comics, also, and just like his art keeps on getting so good and so much better. Like, I mean, that's the goal with everybody. We yes. want to just keep on growing and becoming better creators. But I just, I love seeing my th- my friends thrive and. Uh, get cool work and yeah yeah it feels good to see like it feels like you're you're feeding like you're watering a plant yeah yeah it's like again coming back to like the like kind of like networking thing like as soon as you're kind of like start that and you're all kind of on this journey together seeing the people around you succeed and find work and cool projects is just like the best feeling like going into a bookstore and seeing your friends names on books like you feel like that like inner parent like coming out like I have no desire for like children necessarily but like all of my peers are like my book siblings and it's just like I know this person like you want to like shout at like you know the salespeople who don't care whatsoever (laughs) but like I it's it's just like the best I agree it's it's the best it is one of the like truly best feelings you can experience as a creative I think yeah, is seeing yeah. your friends uh, succeed and see them on TV and see them in stores. And it's always, it's always great. Exactly. So where, where can we find you? Like, where can we find, cause you've got all these different things. Like what, 
Yes. I'm terminally online. The best place I think, obviously, that re that has everything on it is my website, which is stephaniecook.ca and cook has an E on the end of it. Um and um I'm terminally on Twitter and Instagram. Again, you can find those things on my website, but my username is at Hello Cookie. So find me in those places. Those are all the questions I have. Do you have anything else that you wanted to plug or mention that we didn't bring up or touch on? I mean, I'm sure there's like 10,000 projects again that I've completely forgotten about. Um, I also do a podcast again with Whitney called The CaperCast. It's about heists. So you can go to capercast.com for that one. And yeah, that's all I've got. That's a pretty solid one that ends on, I think. Like that's that's a good Saturday night listen, I, I feel. So I will be doing that. And uh, no, it was a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, yeah, thank you so much. You know, I'm pretty I'm pretty upset that the Mets are good now. Why is that? Well, because now we can't experience things like when they had a 97-year-old pitching coach. You mean Phil Regan? Yeah, th- that guy who played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. That team hasn't even existed for 65 years. Like, do you understand how close we all came to having this super old guy coaching the Mets? Do you understand the kind of comedy gold that could have been, like right now when we need laughter the most? He probably wouldn't even remember who was on the team. Regan would be in the dugout chewing tobacco and saying shit like, send in Willie Mays. And then one of the guys on the bench would be like, coach, Willie Mays is dead. And then Regan would be like, the hell he is, get him in there. I don't think Willie Mays is dead. He's not. And I hope Willie Mays lives forever, I really do. But Willie Mays also hasn't played for the Mets since 1973. Anyway, I just want people to understand the potential joy that we're all deprived of now that the Mets are good. Hmm. Well, that's all for this week. If you enjoyed this episode of Weiwo.tv, you know what you need to do. Rate us and leave us a review wherever your favorite podcast can be found. That'll help people find this show and hopefully enjoy it as much as you did. You did enjoy the show, right? We're going to assume you did, because you made it to the outro. Most people don't. Be sure to follow BJ on Instagram at BJ Mendelson and tell him who you'd like to see interviewed next. You can also text your suggestions to BJ at 646-331-8341. But don't call that number. BJ says he's only going to answer if you're Melissa O'Neill from ABC's The Rookie.